It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live. Sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. It's Friday afternoon, and welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun, and I'll be here entertaining you this afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. There's a great story about to unfold on air today as we talk to the PGA Tour. But as the summer continues to roll along, I'm extremely grateful for all the members and guests we continue to have at Springdale. Amidst all that's going on in the world, I'm so happy to head over there each and every day. See, for me, my home away from home is just like heaven. Hit the volume, Wade. The pro show. Oh, it's on. With a successful return for 11 weeks now, the PGA Tour has set the standard for safe professional competition in 2020. Joining us this week is Tom Alter, a member of the Marketing and Communications Division of the PGA Tour. He's now the Vice President of Editorial Development. And although I have a notion in 2020 he stepped in and helped in more ways than one, it's simply amazing what the tour has accomplished over the past couple months. And I cannot wait to hear how it all came together. Tom, welcome to Springdale Golf Live. How are you today? I'm great, Keith. Uh, Happy that we are in the um, second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs and uh, we are steamrolling towards the season finale at the Tour Championship next week. You know, real quickly, you know, you bring up the first leg kind of by implying that you're in the second leg. Does it ever amaze you the stories that come out of each and every week on the PGA Tour? I mean, Dustin Johnson and Scotty Scheffler, you know, the Friday they have and then the weekend Dustin has, he wins by 11. Does it ever cease to amaze you the the just unbelievable stories that come out of the PGA Tour week in and week out? I I just think that... uh... People don't appreciate, you know, there's 25 million golfers in the country. I don't think they appreciate how good these guys really are. I mean, that golf course is not that easy. I followed Rory McIlroy when he was playing Tiger Woods, and Rory shot like over par on Saturday. And here's DJ backing up his 60, which could have been a 57, uh, you know, with a 63 and a 64. I mean, he is... Oh my gosh, the the players are so good. But then there, you know, these other stories in the playoffs. Um, uh, someone like Jason Kokrak has to make eagle on the seventy second hole to advance to uh, this week's BMW Championship, and then uh, Charles Howell the third also had to make eagle on the seventy second hole. And then in just about the last group of the day, uh, Louis Ustase and makes birdie on the seventy second hole to advance. So. Uh, to your point, there's lots of stories going on, lots of great uh, action and drama. And to be honest, we've been kind of blessed in our return to golf that there's been some compelling stories week in and week out. Some of these stories, uh, Colin Morikawa, the just the restart alone, burger in the playoff, just in your first event back. You know, you bring up the DJ thing and how good he played. Uh, people that know me know, I, you know, I, I worked at Isleworth back in the day and, and Tiger was there. And, and during his great run, they would ask me all the time. They would say, how good is Tiger at golf? And I would say Tiger Woods is better at golf than I am at breathing. 
Yeah, he's better at golf than anything that I do. You know, anybody does. Uh, he's Ever. Really, really good. But, you know, speaking of pretty good, I mean, you guys have had a really successful return in these 11 weeks. And you've done an infinite amount of good for just the fans, for people in general, just every week having this story that's going to take place in this competition. How proud is the entire team down in Jacksonville at the PGA Tour? Well, uh, our fingers are crossed and we're still kind of holding our breath to get through the uh, tour championship next week uh, where we feel like we really could take um, a step back and maybe uh, pat ourselves on the back for a moment. Uh, being one of the first sports leagues to come back uh, was really an accomplishment. Uh, we uh, were involved in at the highest level, uh, dealing with the White House and other um, health organizations. And we put together a comprehensive health plan that uh, is really working. And it's really amazing. You know, we just keep making progress and trying to get through one tournament after the next. And the golf competition itself has been uh, really great. And we'll have to see um, if we can get through the season. And, you know, there's still the other thing we had to figure out was the schedule. Uh, Commissioner Jay Monahan has just been a tremendous leader in, in the space, and he uh, got all the other. Um, uh, you know, I look behind you and I see the the four flags on the major championships. Uh, well, we had to work together closely with Augusta National and the USGA and the PGA and the uh, RNA to try and figure this out about uh, kind of creating a schedule, and that's why you see. The U.S. Open at Wingfoot, uh, not far from where I grew up, just two weeks after the tour championship. You have brought up, I mean, a number of different elements there that, that had to take place. How soon after the shutdown did did you all start to come together and start to process and then move forward about a plan of the restart? I mean, it took a couple months to restart and, and certainly it takes a village. I mean, that goes without saying, but w- was it immediately after that or did it take a week or so to say hey like where do we all stand in this big picture of life and then go forward yeah i think the first thing was that we realized because we had announced that we were going to postpone certain events or we were going to cancel certain events and then right away we were like yeah you know what we need to cancel more events uh that this is this whole pandemic is worse than we ever imagined and then once we did those two things we started working on the schedule uh, and when I say we, it's really a, the whole executive committee led by Jay and uh, working together with the other uh, golf organizations to try and see which weeks made sense, uh, what tournaments could play, uh, which title sponsors really were eager, which communities were safe. Um, and that's how it all evolved. You know, I sit here and I, and I listen to you and I hear what you're saying, but it's, it's tough for just the two of us to even process what an undertaking it was. And, and folks, if you're just joining us, we have a real treat today. We have Tom Alter with us and he's a representative from the PGA Tour. And he's been there through thick and thin through this whole pandemic pause and now the restart of the tour and all the success that they've had. And, and you guys have done a tremendous job, not just for the fans, but in leading other professional leagues back to successful returns. How much communication takes place between your executive team? And, you know, you mentioned probably the CDC and the White House and everyone else, but, but how about with MLS, who is the next one's back? And, and, you know, NASCAR jumped in right before you and, and now it's the NHL and the bubble and, and the NBA. How much communication took place? I know my fans are very interested in how all of this kind of came together. Well, I, I'm not privy to those conversations, but there's no doubt that the uh, other leagues, particularly uh, baseball and basketball, while they were trying to figure out whether or not uh, they should create a bubble like the NBA did or whether they should, um, you know, 
uh, reimagine their schedule and how they can operate like Major League Baseball did. And so those uh, those um, those conversations were taking place. Uh, but, you know, it, it never ends because uh, we were all learning as we were going. And I think that that was one of the great things that uh, uh, Jay showed his leadership is that we could evolve. And he also could call the players out when we started. I think there was one week we had, a, uh, you know, a couple of positive tests. And he's like, hey, guys, we, you know, we need to be serious about this. And uh, and really, everyone adapted fairly quickly. It seems like the learning curve was real quick there for everyone to get real serious inside the bubble and to respect what all you were trying to accomplish and and the multitude of moving parts that you guys had in place. Now, um, you're a self-proclaimed golf guy, sports nut, right? Um, I'm curious, you know, you have this very um, important role with the PGA Tour. Uh, How did your career kind of come about? You know, my listeners love to get to know people. So give us a little uh, Reader's Digest version of the Tom Alter story. So um, I went to North Carolina State. I grew up outside of New York City, and I went to North Carolina State, not necessarily to play golf, but I did want to go to a different part of the country and kind of uh, go to a big-time sports program. Uh, So I ended up at, at, like I said, NC State, and not to date myself, but we won the national championship uh, my senior year there. And I happened to be the editor-in-chief of the school newspaper, and I mean, it couldn't really have been any more fun to do that. And I was like, yes, I'm going. I always wanted to do TV. I always wanted to do sports. Uh, and having that experience, I was like, I'm really going to pursue this. And so uh, I reached out and, um, I, you know, I, I, I knew a guy that I went to elementary school and he had um, recently worked at Major League Baseball. And he's like, well, you know call this guy who knows and sure enough i got hired i started working on this week in baseball and i did that for three years and then moved from in effect that show to the pga tour they were starting a new show which was basically the same kind of sports anthology show as called inside the pga tour and that show uh is still on the air that we recently changed the name to the cut that airs on golf channel but anyway we did that show for three years in New York, and then I uh, moved to Florida after that. And I've been with the tour down at its headquarters near um, Ponte Vedra Beach in northeast Florida ever since. I love the little networking anecdotal story in there about somebody you went to elementary school with. Folks, take notes. Every time we have these successful people on the show, it always comes across that it's someone they met along the way that helped them on their path. And they reach a pivot moment and then they reach out to that person because. And you try to to pay it forward as well. Uh, You know, it's not like he got me the job. He's like, hey, they might be hiring and and who knows. And and then sure enough, if you go to. uh, 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 one of these places, especially if it's a sports organization, you should be prepared. Uh, I had been tipped off that there was going to be a test. That test was uh, really hard. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm like, well, I'm a baseball guy. I know all these guys. But when they start asking you the third base coaches for everyone in the American League West, you kind of need to know what's going on. So uh, luckily, I've been tipped off a little bit. Oh, wow. Was there a test for the PGA Tour then? Uh, it's funny. There wasn't, but I introduced one. I, uh, if you come and do an, a job interview with me, you better be prepared to know what's going on in my sport. All right, folks. So if you're looking to go work for Tom Alter there at the PGA Tour, uh, get your homework done. I love it. I love digging into this stuff. You know, my fans want to go back. You know, they want to go to Wingfoot. 
we're regionally up here in the New York and Philly market. They want to go to the U.S. Open. And we all understand why we can't. But and and I'm not asking for you to look in any sort of crystal ball or anything. But what what are the types of determining factors at the PGA Tour that are going to help make the decision to allow even limited amounts of fans back on the property for the tour um, looking toward next season? Well, for, first of all, we agree with your fans. We want to see fans, and we had hoped to have fans at the memorial. And then things started to get sideways, and so we had to pull the plug on that. Uh, we have started to do some uh, – uh, we, we, we started to have plans for this fall to have some pro-ams, very small pro-ams, and I think that would be the start. Uh, we've already started with what we call honorary observers who can come on site. Uh, so these are just – literally handfuls of people and maybe it'll get up to dozens of people and then maybe it'll be a small crowd. But I think the, we have to take baby steps and we, uh, you know, want to make sure that everyone's safe. And we, and we also want to see how can we enforce our rules and making sure that everyone complies because uh, we don't want to make any mistakes. We've been having so much success and, and are seen as a real leader in the space. Well, we want to continue to lead and we want to do it right. I love the way you answered that question. We want to see the fans there as well, um, which makes me want to take it to the nth degree. I had this really super fun moment this past February. I got to go to the Waste Management People's Open. So you want to talk about fans to the to the utmost level, right? Everyone at the PGA Tour, right? We'll get back to that point in some time, right? I mean, it'll take a while, but and we, and we want to be safe. I, I will say this, Keith. We are planning to have fans at the Waste Management Phoenix Open now. Will there be 500,000 fans? Probably not. But we hope to really have some fans on site, and uh, that's definitely uh, one of our goals. Well, folks, you heard it here first. The People's Open will remain in some fashion the People's Open. Well, that makes me very happy because that, that to me, as a PGA professional, as a fan of golf, as a competitor, all the things about the game, to go experience that was something really, really special that you all have put together there with the Thunderbirds. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about charitable endeavors in a little bit. I want to go, and, and the reason I brought that up is that golf right now is more popular than it ever has been. You know, I've looked at the rating numbers that the PGA Tour has, the PGA Championship, everything. And I'm sure you've noticed these things as well. How can the PGA of America, the USGA, and the PGA Tour, and, and everyone else that is following your lead, how can we all work together to sustain this boom? Can you give us some foreshadowing of some of the ideas or concepts that you may be putting together that would be fun to hear? Well, I can't get into too many specifics, but I will say that uh, while all three of those organizations, the USGA, the PGA, and the PGA Tour, we kind of compete with one another because we all want to have the best event. Uh, we think that the Players' Championship, if you ever came in person, is every bit as, uh, if not better, than attending a PGA Championship or the U.S. Open. But when it comes to... Uh, the big picture, and that's what you're asking, Keith, is how can we uh, all make this succeed? We're, we're constantly uh, sharing ideas, and we're constantly looking for ways to help each other. And, and one of those is the charitable outreach that you mentioned. All of the organizations are looking for ways to not just uh, put on good tournaments, but also to give back. And, uh, and then also, how do we grow the game? We're all in this together. You know, I would say that the PGA's responsibility is probably more about growing the game than the PGA Tour. But look, we need to find new fans. We all need uh, uh, more 
clients. We all need more customers. We all need uh, more people to tune in and watch or come out and uh, eventually support an, an event when we're able to do that on site. Well, you touched on it there. The charitable efforts is certainly a big part of all that the good that you do that's out there right now. And there's tremendous good that's happening and it has for the last couple of months. But speaking of all that good and sponsorships, I have to take a quick break and let the sponsors do their thing. Tom, can you hold on for just a minute? Of course. All right, folks, it's about 3.18 p.m. here in New York. Thanks for listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Be back to continue our conversation with Tom Alter from the PGA Tour. Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the NJPA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf with a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs. The NJGF delivers dynamic programming under the guidance of PGA professionals so individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. To support the NJGF or learn more about programs and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org. That's njgolffoundation.org. Springdale Golf Club is proudly celebrating 125 years of rich history in the heart of Princeton, New Jersey. With our walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn designed course, Springdale beautifully makes its mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Combined with Troon Purvey, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management, Springdale is further elevating our commitment to our members. Just last year, our members seasoned their game, teeing off on true managed courses in Texas, Arizona, and even as far as Hawaii and the UK. The benefits of being part of the Springdale family extends far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments happening at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon Purvey. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as, yeah, I'm the director of fun. You're listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Ah, another good song. I like the vibe you're going for today, Wade. You know, I feel like I'm back at uh, in high school at the old St. Joe's Gymnasium for one of those uh, fantastic Friday night dances. You're the best, man. Always setting a great mood for the weekend. Volume up, top down. Let's roll. not sure if we were nine under on the front nine today, similar to Dustin Johnson last week, but there's no doubt our guest is ready to help us take on the back nine of our show this afternoon. So many fans of the PGA Tour love to watch the golf week in and week out, but there's so much more to what makes the PGA Tour's impact. Welcome back from the break, Tom. I'd like to discuss the charitable efforts of the tour. This past March, you all passed a huge milestone, over $3 billion in giving. Before we get there, I'm curious, how did this all start? Can you give us a brief history of how local and regional charities became the lifeblood of your traveling tour? Sure. So um, we feel like the first charitable donation was at the 1938 uh, Dapper Dan tournament out of Long Island. They raised $10,000. And that really was kind of uh, the impetus to uh, get things going. The idea that we surpassed $3 billion in charitable giving is incredible. And we're super proud of that. Uh, But it really... um, got going uh, formally when Dean Beeman was the commissioner and he decided that every tournament should in fact be a, um, a nonprofit and that 
all the net proceeds from every event would go back to the community. So if you buy a ticket or you buy a hot dog, that money is going towards your organization. And you could be, you know, in the Boy Scouts and, and, and maybe you help with the cleanup. Uh, and so, you know, that's how you can get some support from the tournament. So there's a number of different ways that uh, organizations want uh, uh, the other, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot it. The big thing is the volunteers. Volunteers are super excited about being part of the tournament because they know that uh, by giving of their time, the money is going to come back to uh, stay in their uh, community. And so we try to do that in every single turn. We, the tour doesn't really have any national charities. We have the first tee and we have something called uh, uh, Birdies for the Brave, which is kind of a consortium of like 10 or 11 different charities uh, for military. Um but for the most part, we have 3,000 charities that uh, really are uh, all connected to the local tournaments. Now, all of these charities took a pause as the tour took a pause this past spring. How have you handled this charitable giving now upon the return of the PGA Tour? Because there's there's new challenges involved. Yeah, that was that's a good question. And that same question was asked to Commissioner Monaghan during the Players' Championship when we had to put pause on the season. And he said, and I'll never forget it, he's just such a leader. He's like, hold us accountable. Uh, you as an organization, you come back to us and say, hey, well, we need support here. And so during the uh, the pandemic and while we weren't playing at all, we still had a number of different initiatives uh, led by frankly, Tiger and Phil and the match. And then we had the TaylorMade driving with, um, uh, you know, the four big stars that we had down at Seminole. And so we raised more than $30 million uh, to support COVID-specific um, uh, operations. And we're super proud of that. But above and beyond the money, we also are interested in telling stories. And that's what my team uh, does is – uh, you know, we put together um, coming back at uh, Schwab. Uh, our team had every player, you know, normally on their caddy bib. Well, there's no fans. So they, do they really need to have a, a caddy bib telling them, you know, which who player with the player is? So but if it was like Justin Rose, it also had the name of a frontline worker. And if it was Daniel Berger, it had the name of another frontline healthcare worker. And it was really cool. And it was uh, very challenging to pull that off for the entire field of 144 players. And we did that for, you know, week after week after week. And we were really proud of being able to, you know, tell these stories and then surprise um, some of the frontline workers with videos uh, about, you know, uh, Rory McIlroy saying, hey, uh, I'm, I'm proud that I'll be uh, – your name will be represented on my caddy bib today. And then the frontline worker sees that and they get all excited. And then we create content out of that. And so it's kind of a win, win, win. Uh, we're super proud of telling these stories and continue our support. That is amazing. I, I had no idea. I'm sure my listeners had no idea. I mean, just going back a couple minutes, I didn't know you all were so involved with TaylorMade's driving relief and or the match. So just learning about that makes my question worthwhile. But what you just talked about there at the Schwab, and I'm sure that all each week you're doing something just like that. I hope everyone at home appreciates what it means to get to $3 billion in charitable giving. I mean, it's not just the money, but it's the impact, like you said, on the volunteers. Over the years, what's it feel like to create that sort of impact? It's awesome. And uh, it's it's a big responsibility, but it's something we really enjoy. Uh, uh, and 
and again, there there are things that are outside of uh, dollars. There are things like um, you mentioned waste management. There's there's Amy Bakersetti, uh being pulled out of the crowd, having a surprise uh, a hole with Gary Woodlin. And then she makes the putt and then you get to hear her saying, you know, we got this over and over again. And, and that's something that goes viral and it's been seen, you know, uh, millions and millions of times. And so that's inspiring. And that's more important sometimes than just a dollar. I bet you that video's been seen three billion times. Let's hope. Let's hope. That's my team. We put that together and we're super proud of that. And that's and that's what we do. Um, uh, and that's why I enjoy working at the tour. It's um, it's a great place to work. Well, then that leads to what does the future hold? If it's your team that is putting together these stories, then you're on the front lines of of where the charitable direction is going. Just briefly, I, I know you can't predict the future, but what are some of the things that you're going to try to do? I know these nine hole shootouts on Wednesdays have been super popular. It, you know, I watched the one this week. It was great. You know, it, So going forward, how do you add to that? Well, we're always looking for ways and looking for things to do in the fall. Uh, but, you know, we still can't get too far ahead of ourselves. We uh, are looking at the schedule. Uh, just this week, we announced that the event in Korea, the CJ Cup, is now going to be played in Las Vegas. Um, so <laughs> as much as we want to run, we still need to kind of uh, take baby steps in some of this. Uh, but also in Vegas will be the Shriners Hospitals uh, for Children. And uh, Kevin Nas, the defending champion, they've got great stories there with the Shriners kids. So we'll look forward to telling those stories. You know what? We'll look, we'll look forward to watching all of those stories develop and take place over time. Yeah. And uh, I know you got to run soon. So uh, real quickly, there's one fun story that we love to do week in and week out here on Springdale Golf Live. And then we do a little rapid fire Q&A. The fans love it because they get to know my guests just a little bit more. And we've learned a little bit about you and the Wolfpack um, so far today. But we're going to dig in a little more. Tom, you up for this? Let's let's go. All right, folks, before we jump into this, if you're just joining us, we're with Tom Alter, and he is the VP of Editorial Development there at the PGA Tour. He's been giving us all sorts of stories today about the undertaking they have had in the last 11 weeks to create successful golf as a march towards the Tour Championship in two weeks. But here he goes, ready for rapid-fire Q&A. All right, easy one to start with. Do you have any pets? No. No? Not a pet person. Fair enough. On a scale of 1 to 10, rate your cooking ability. Uh, one. Ooh, I'm good with breakfast and uh, maybe some lunch, but dinner is tops out of frozen pizza for me. I, uh, you know what, you and I are in lockstep on that one. I'm I'm about a one and a half at best. When you hear the words FedEx Cup, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Fifteen million dollar first prize and uh, the growing prestige of winning, hoisting that uh, silver trophy. You know, it's building a lot of prestige more and more and more. And these stories and, you know, Louis Oosthuizen make that birdie in the dark the other night. I love it. It really feels like the playoffs. And someone like DJ, who doesn't seem to get excited about anything, you know, he told us privately, he goes, I really want to win this thing. Oh, that's cool. The app you use the most on your phone. Oh, do I have to say PGA Tour Live, uh, the PGA Tour app? Because I probably would. Uh, the, The one other than that might be ESPN. Okay. Do you prefer sunrises or sunsets? I prefer sunsets, but I am a morning person, so I see more sunrises. Name a bucket list goal in your lifetime. Break my age. How about that? That's a good one. I like that. Would you rather win an Oscar or a Grammy? Oh, Oscar. I'm a huge movie guy. 
all right, then, okay, if you could be an actor in any movie, mm. who would you be? That's a tough question. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say something sappy. Like, I could be Maverick in uh, Top Gun, but I'd probably be more like uh, George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life or something like that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm impartial to Jimmy Stewart. That's yeah. certainly in the last name. But I love the Maverick call. Very good. Favorite NC State basketball player all time? Oh, good call. Uh, I'd have to say Derek Wittenberg. Uh, he was a senior at state when I was there. Uh, super nice guy, very friendly. And then I, I had a chance to hang out with him at a reunion of sorts. Um, but to be honest, I really know Terry Gannon the best. Uh, you see Terry Gannon is now hosting uh, golf on Golf Channel and NBC. And he's got a great set of pipes and a terrific guy. Describe working for the PGA Tour in one word. Tom. Tom. Wait. Wade, we lose him? Well, that's fitting. We never had this one before. Live radio, folks. We lost out on the end of a little rapid-fire Q&A. But, uh, well, it's about that time we need to go anyway. So it was great having Tom Alter from the PGA Tour on with us today, learning all different aspects of the amazing return that they have brought to us with professional golf. And you know what else is pretty amazing? And that's our sponsors and all of our supporters. Let's start with our man, Wade Weezer, on the board. Thanks for all you do, bud. Springdale Board of Governors, thanks for the support and everything else that you do to make Springdale Golf Live happen. True Golf Management for everything you do at the club. And most importantly, my listeners. Let's get those sponsors up there. And, oh, hang on. Whoa, hang on. Tom just sent me a text. He said his answer is awesome. So, describe what it means to work for the PGA Tour. For Tom Alter, it's awesome. Well, you know what, Tom Alter? You are pretty awesome yourself. Thanks for being with us today. And thanks to TaylorMade Golf, New Jersey Golf Foundation, Summit Golf Brands. You know them as B-Dratty, Fairway and Green, Zero Restriction, EP New York, and, of course, FH Wadsworth. Folks, you know I'm heading to Springdale, but where are you headed? We'll let the tower be your guide. And from New York to Philadelphia, and, of course, everywhere online, may you all have a Springdale day. Thanks for joining us for today's show. Return to the tee next Friday at 3 with Keith Stewart and Springdale Golf Live.